Welcome back to another episode of Disciplology, a podcast where we talk about discipleship. Michael, we've got a real special treat today. We've got uh, Matt Verretta, who is a discipleship pastor from my church. So this is where I get to go and attend every single week. So this is good because for a couple of reasons. One is because now we know that you do have a church. I do have a church. Which is great. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good news for all of us, but also... It should have a folksy feel on the on the podcast today because you're <laughs> yeah. talking about your home. <laughs> Matt, uh, please uh, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us how Church of the City is super unique. We've got multiple campuses. Tell us how Church of the City is. Uh, just kind of give us a big overview of what, what we do. Yeah, happy to. And thanks for having me. And um, anything I say that doesn't sound accurate, uh, Andrew can just interrupt and correct me. So this will be good. <laughs> Uh, we can we can help each other, but um, but yeah. So I'm a pastor here at Church of the City. Uh, just a little bit about Church of the City story um, and mine as they intersect. Church of the City, uh, just about seven years old. Uh, this this Easter will be seven years. So seven years ago, launch team meetings and fundraising and all that kind of stuff going on. Um, when when we planted, uh, we planted from day one, um, Easter 2013. We planted a congregation in Franklin, which is a suburb of Nashville. Uh, and then also East Nashville, which is a, a neighborhood, uh, as the name would suggest, on the east side of Nashville. Uh, so from the very beginning, part of our DNA has been to really try to contextualize to the unique neighborhoods and parts of the city that uh, our different congregations would be in. Uh, if anyone listening is familiar with the Middle Tennessee area, Franklin and East Nashville are, are pretty different. So it's beautiful communities uh, with, with amazing people, um, but different for sure. So I joined the team uh, when the church was about a year old. Uh, I was a, a youth pastor at a church in a different state, and um, I knew the, the crew that had planted church the city. Franklin is actually my hometown, so it was kind of a, a coming home experience for me. So joined the church when I was about a year old, started a youth group, a couple kids meeting in a rented office. Um, we had about another year and a half, so two and a half years into the church and city story, uh, through a really long story that would be a whole other podcast uh, feed, probably. <laughs> Um, uh, God presented opportunity to join and unite with another church in town that uh, has more than a hundred year history. Uh, two locations, own two buildings, uh, one in Franklin, one in Spring Hill. Um, and as our elders and, and that other church's elders are praying through it, uh, there's a, a quote, I believe it's by John Edwards, that says, revival is the acceleration of the normal work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And um, as we weighed and considered, is this an invitation from God? Um, I think that idea that um, this could be an acceleration of what the Spirit is maybe doing in more typical time, uh, we felt like God made it really clear for these churches to unite. So now, uh, about four years ago, we united those churches. So now Franklin Church, um, building, you know, lots of people, a Spring Hill Church, still our East Nashville church. And then um, since then, by God's grace, we've, we've planted another church in Sylvan Park, which is a neighborhood on the west side of Nashville. Um, and then also in Antioch, which is uh, for us is our uh, Spanish-speaking congregation on the southeast side of Davidson County, uh, and then also a congregation in New York City. Uh, so it's it's been, a, it's been a whirlwind. There's a lot going on and um, I'm sure I forgot something, or uh, but that's why I got Andrew. He can correct me. But <laughs> He can. But yeah, he that's can. kind of the Church of the City story. Man, it's it is a great story, and you guys have such a wonderful reputation here here in town as a, a body of believers and community. And and there's a lot of people that followed the merger between the two churches 
because um, it's a fairly I, I feel like in the last several years that's become more common but uh, but but you know seven eight ten years ago it was still relatively rare for that kind of thing to uh, uh, that kind of thing to happen and so I think people kind of monitored with interest how is this right. going to work when you when you try to mesh these two not just congregations but when you try to mesh these two leadership teams together like that yeah. that it's yeah. it can be i assume really really problematic um to do it for sure uh, it's encouraging to you know to to see how you guys have grown and how you're you're working to reach not just this city but um uh in other cities in the nation um so matt but before we get into the specifics uh of andrew's sin life um, <laughs> my tithing habits yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> I've got also, his giving record printed out. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. See, I told you that people do pre-prep for the podcast. Is that, is that right there? <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the things in, in our earlier conversation, Matt, that you were talking about was that you, you guys as a, a leadership team have just, you, you've sort of taken a step back and you decided that the approach that you are taking to the way that discipleship happens in the adult context for, uh, for Church of the City needed to be rebooted. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that. Why, why, what caused you guys to take a step back and evaluate the process about how you were doing things? Sure. Um, well, and, and this will probably make a little more sense in light of the context of our church's story of, of the, the churches coming together. So um, God's been so kind in that. And, and I, I do just want to say uh, so much of that is a credit to the elders of the other church, the, yeah. the older church that invited us um, just um, you know, heroes of the faith, I think for all of us who, who have known them and have um, walked with them. And, and that's, you know, you mentioned how it could be challenging and, and people were watching uh, huge credit to the, the elder board and, and those men in particular. But so, you know, we're about four, four plus years into this journey and um, God's been really kind to bring a lot of people to the church and by a lot of kind of traditional metrics, you know, Sunday attendance and, and kids and student ministry, um, the church has grown and is, has, um, you know, we're okay in a financial respect. But um, I think for our, our elders and, and senior staff, about a year ago, actually, so uh, we're recording this in January. Um, this is the second year where we have um, invited our church to start the year with a 21-day fast um, and just begin the year by really seeking God uh, through the, the discipline of fasting. And I think some of the fruit of that fast last year was um, just a burden to shepherd the flock in our care. Uh, you know, First Peter 5, Peter writes about the responsibility of overseers to do that. And as we've tended to different systems and infrastructures in the church uh, through the merge, um, seeing that people are getting connected and being discipled and are being cared for, um, it was, I, I don't mean to sound too businessy with this, but it, it was, a you know, there was a, a growth edge there as, as we tried to scale the size of the mm -hmm. church, it became clear that we need to either change or start or stop some things to, to see that people are being discipled. And so, um, at the risk of oversimplifying it, a phrase we've used a lot, um, over this last year is the Sunday gathering isn't incorrect, but it is incomplete when we're talking oh, about right. discipleship yeah. and, and seeing uh, the expression of the church in our context today and, you know, the 21st century West. And so um, there's a lot of other ways to talk about this. It's, 
obviously that's not unique vernacular, but it's this burden that as God has brought people to our Sunday service, the way we were allocating staff resources and our best strategic thinking to seeing that they were being discipled and in community outside of Sunday, that was the thing that I think God made clear we need to give a disproportionate amount of time and attention to. Um, So that's kind of where we've been the last few months and, and moving forward. I really applaud that exercise. I don't know that I would have thought about it until you said it that way, Matt, but it's like if if there's a church leader that sort of has this uh, unction that maybe we aren't really discipling our people as fully as we should, it would be a really interesting exercise to take uh, just take a really hard look at the church budget. Like let's let's sit down yeah, and look yeah. at the numbers and uh, because I think this is one of the things that Jesus that Jesus teaches us about money is that you know of course money can be dangerous for all kinds of different reasons prosperity can be but one of the if you can also spin it to the other direction and say that that money or the way that we spend our resources can be a signpost to the condition of our hearts you know our hearts are are sometimes yeah, so difficult to know. Like what we really love, what do we really, you know, down, down deep. And so it's helpful to have signposts like that to say, well, I, I can't trust myself to tell myself the truth, but I can trust my heart to spend my money the way that it really feels. So I think that's a hmm. really interesting exercise uh, to, to say to a church leader, do you want to know how, disi- how important discipleship is to you? Take a look at the budget. Uh, yeah, and let it tell and let it tell the and let it tell the story. And I think probably most churches would find themselves in the same boat that it sounds like you guys uh, were in, which was we we know that this needs to be our priority. This is what we're we're here for to disciple people, but we are finding that more of our resources are going to perhaps perhaps I don't, I don't know if this was the case in your sure. in your case but I think for a lot of churches we would say a, a ton of resources are going to this large gathering that we're having on Sunday mornings and a smaller amount of resources are going to get people plugged into a deeper deeper level of uh, of a community um, so that's really really interesting how so you, so you guys are still in the middle of kind of walking through the process about what that what that looks like or or is that process done and you're sort of launched into this new uh, this new vision and, and process? Sure. It's a great question. Um, so I think in terms of like, if there's a new and undeveloped part of a town or a city, and there are really exciting and great ideas to put in a strip mall and retail and restaurants, but you, you can't do that until you make sure the road is, the road is paved out to that part of yeah. town yeah, and yeah, you yeah. lay a foundation, all that stuff. I've, I don't have background in con- contracting. But <laughs> no, you're doing good. That sounds all right? sounds perfect to me. <laughs> yeah, I would say, um, to, and to, to get more specific and tactical, tactical, um, we we have a really strong conviction that we need to decentralize a lot of our adult discipleship ministry. Okay. So, in real plain language, you know what we're calling community groups, and other groups might call small groups or yeah, cell groups, groups or, like or whatever. Yeah. yeah, certainly not thinking that we are. Um, uh, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel or or do anything terribly original in that respect, but but we're really making a commitment to to seeing that care and mission and discipleship um, have space to happen decentralized and off the church campus in a way in which it's not dependent on um, paid staff, but right. we're equipping and raising up lay leaders to do that. And so uh, a lot of 2019 was uh, laying that foundation. 
Um, and I mean, just so I still can't believe it sometimes, but, um, you know, we started a lot of new groups, uh, community groups this fall and have made some really great hires. Um, and so we are, I would say we're neither in the very beginning nor at the end of this uh, kind of transition, but, but firmly in the middle uh, of, (laughs) of pushing it out. I I love, again, that you guys are doing that. I I think it's a wonderful vision to be able to think that, you know, in in five years, in fact, I think that this is probably a noble pursuit for for anybody who works in the area of discipleship professionally, is to be able to go to a member of the congregation and ask the question, who does discipleship in your church? And for the answer not to be, well, that's Matt's job or – that's some other paid staff right. person's job. What, what you want the answer to be when you ask a member of the congregation who does discipleship, you want the answer to be, well, we do. Right. Yeah. Like, this, yes. this is what we do. It is a congregational uh, initiative where we are discipling each other. Uh, and, and one of the most practical ways you do that is by spreading out that leadership, just like you're talking about. That's right. That's great. So Matt, yeah, well with, said, Michael. with my small group, uh, in the beginning, it was very awkward. Like it, it was, we, we all live in the same neighborhood. And so we have that common feel, but like, I didn't know you and you didn't know me. And we were doing a whole lot of small talk, but you know what it took is just a little bit of time because now yeah. it's something that we do every single Monday night. And we watch the the national championship game together. Like we had a big party and it was a, we, we do life together now. Mm-hmm. So Matt, my question to you is, uh, maybe other than intentionality and, and a little bit of time, what are some practical tips that churches uh, can glean from Church of the City? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And um, you said one of them. I think time and, and specifically, like, so our coaching to our new leaders when they onboard is, um, if you're starting your group from scratch, give it two to four weeks where your primary focus is relationship building. And that's not because we're trying to dumb down discipleship or water it down, but because we have a high view of discipleship, I think real discipleship happens in circles of trust and you can't microwave those relationships. And so um, I don't think we've aced anything, but an encouragement to other churches would be, it's not unspiritual to say to your group leaders, take some time and do things like watch the national championship game that will actually put you on a trajectory so that um, when the group opens the scriptures together, um, there's trust and people can share and wrestle and learn um, from a place of trust. So I think that's one. Another thing um, just specific around group formation that, that we tried and and I think it's worked well is um, I think a lot of churches and especially larger churches either, um, totally go hands off and say, form your own groups, do your own thing. And let us know if you've formed a group, we'll have you sign a covenant and we'll count you to our numbers. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, uh, the church staff controls all of the group formation process and you need to attend this one group launch. And that group launch might feel like a speed dating night. And if you miss that group <laughs> launch, you, you're out of luck for that season. And we offered, um, kind of a hybrid uh, approach as we were recruiting new leaders where, where we said, um, do you want to form your own group entirely? And if so, we'd love to meet with you, train you, um, ask you to commit to a certain set of, of expectations. Um, 
do you want the church to form a group for you based on the people you live near? Because we'll do that. Or, or is it a hybrid? Do you have two or four or six people that you're already doing life with? And would you let us add a few others? And um, overwhelmingly, uh, group leaders have opted for that third option of this kind of hybrid model. And I think by kind of allowing for a both and in the group formation, that has allowed groups to gel quicker um, and move in that direction. Uh, a phrase that, that we use a bit, and it, it comes from um, Mike Breen and the 3DM team, is high accountability, low control in terms of describing the relationship between our group's pastors and our group leaders, um, real high accountability because it's a, it's a position of spiritual leadership in our church, but um, low control. So if your group likes sports and you meet on Mondays, watch the national title game. You don't, you don't need to run that by your group's pastor because we have high accountability and we're training the leader. We trust that they'll know what their group needs. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but those are just a couple things. I think, those, my head. I think those are really helpful. I really like the way that you described that third option. I, I do feel like that would be helpful for a lot of churches. But as you pointed out, man, I, I, it seems like to me that one of the secret sauces in making that third option go is the commitment on the part of the, of the church staff team to do regular and thorough leader training and communication. Um, yes. That's in the same way you talked about building trust within a group. I mean, I think that's how you have trust with your leaders is that you spend a good deal of time with them, that you're investing in them um, so that you really do have that level of of uh, of trust. That seems super actionable to me for a discipleship pastor or a small group pastor that wants to, you know, kind of accelerate how many groups are being formed. That third option allows you to take hold of momentum and friendships and relationships that already exist within the church, um, and also it it allows you to build trust in in the group leader structure. But part and parcel with that is a commitment to come alongside those leaders and really, really be intentional about training them. And I'm using the word training in, intentionally here because I think there's a difference between twa- training them and instructing them um, yes, exactly yes. What, to, what to do. It's very cool. It's very cool. Why do you think, I mean, do you, it, it seems like a no brainer that this would be something that many churches would do. Do you have any thoughts, Matt, about why more churches don't go that route with this third way? Oh, um, gosh, that's a good question. You know, I think, uh, gosh, you know, when we're in leadership positions and, and I don't want to indict others, but I, I know yeah. I do this. Um, we think about this stuff so much that I think maybe sometimes it's, it's hard to see the forest from the trees potentially. So, um, you know, sometimes the simplest way forward is the best, but it's, it's hard to, to find that. And I I will say to confess, we spent no exaggeration to say months getting ready for what we'd call this big groups launch. Mm -hmm. And it was only in the 11th hour that we were in a a strategic meeting and, and I forget who, or I'd give them credit, but someone said, why isn't it a both and? Why don't we let them have the choice? <laughs> and so, it, you know, it, I'm glad to hear you say it sounds simple. Uh, we, we just as well almost missed that ourselves. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, it's, it's at the last minute that, that God shows you something. Uh, yeah, it is. I, it, 
Andrew and I have talked a lot on here before, and it's funny that the, in, in the folks that we have conversations with, you know, one of the recurring themes I think that comes about again and again is what you just said is that like, let's, let's not overcomplicate this of what it has to be because there's a real propensity for us to do that. So let's make sure we're not missing what is, is plainly obvious right in front of us as we go forward. Um, so I, I, but I, you know, I think it's a good word. I think that is a good, I think that's a good word for sure. One thing I think that that y'all do well, Matt. Um, not only are you full of wisdom as a as a church staff, but you do things with great excellence. Um, there is not something that that goes unnoticed. But then there's also this sense of humility through the entire church mm. staff. And so, thank you for that. Y'all are are so humble and so wanting to serve us. Um, so thank you, thank you. Oh, um, thanks for saying that. Matt, where can we find out more about you, more about Church of the City? Sure. So um, churchofthecity.com is a real easy website, and uh, we do our best to have information up there. And honestly, email is probably the best. I'm, I'm on Instagram, and I, I think I'm the only Matt Veretta uh, on the internet, but Instagram <laughs> just pictures of my kids. So you're welcome to find it, but, but there's not a lot happening. Um, but, you know, my email is, is just matt at churchofthecity.com, M-A-T-T. Um, you know, anyone's welcome to reach out if want to talk groups or discipleship um but yeah andrew's financial records also at the touch of a button yeah there, right. Right. Matt's right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're small but <laughs> goodness matt thank you for joining us today uh this was a real treat also uh if you want to reach out to discipleology you can do that at discipleology at lifeway.com there you can ask us all sorts of questions there too matt thank you michael always a pleasure yes see y'all next time thanks